DenverCrush.com. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here tonight to tell you a very strange story. A story so strange that no one will believe it. But ladies and gentlemen, seeing is believing. And we, my partners and I, have brought back the living proof of our adventure. An adventure in which 12 of our party met horrible death. And now, ladies and gentlemen, before I tell you any more, I'm going to show you the greatest thing your eyes have ever beheld. He was a king and a god in the world he knew. But now he comes to civilization, merely a captive, a show to gratify your curiosity. Ladies and gentlemen, look at Kong, the eighth wonder of the world. Welcome to another edition of the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. We are your hosts, Mark Hadamio. And I am Chris Eaton. Ah, today is a very special episode. I know I say that a lot, but you know what? Every episode in its own way is a very special episode <laughs> because they're all unique snowflakes. They're all different in their own ways. That could be interpreted a different way. It could. It very much <laughs> But Mark and I are going to wax poetic because it is the month of April, and I think about a week off from right now is the... 85th anniversary of what many consider the, uh, would, would you say the start, well, I wouldn't say it's the start of the genre, but it very much inspired the genre. It, it's, yeah, it's definitely the... It's the prototype for it, if yeah. you will. It is the 85th anniversary of King Kong, and if you're listening to this podcast and you have not seen King Kong, shame on you, and Just stop listening to us. <laughs> pause our podcast, go watch, watch King, King Kong, Kong, and then come back. And I still say, shame on you still, too. The only the only excuse you have is I'm a ten year old child and thus I've not been exposed to this yet. Anything past that, nope. So Mark and I are going to discuss King Kong, the movie, the original one, and its gigantic legacy on uh, the films that we all love. So and not only that, but there's a ton to go into here. So yes, I mean it, it's 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 not only applicable to this genre. Of monster movies, science fiction. Twelve different genres out there. But not... Just in filmmaking alone. Filmmaking alone. I mean, King Kong regularly appears among every top ten list of best films ever made. Mm -hmm. And there's a very very good reason for that. Now, um, I mean, especially if you go back and look at the films in the 30s and 40s. It wasn't until... I mean, a lot of people, a lot of great directors give Orson Welles the credit of, like, he revitalized... Or, like, he, he... he modernized filmmaking techniques that we use today. Because back then, you set up a camera, you cranked it, and you shot some stuff. Now, there are people doing some great stuff like uh, like Buster Keaton and uh, like a lot of the uh, the shorts out there where they had really elaborate film sets. But it wasn't until, you know, around the time of, uh, of say, Citizen Kane where it's like, oh, yeah, you can, you can point a camera in this direction and you can get like a... A nice, you know, perspective, and you can do all this stuff. Kong, on that hand, took it above a notch because you're like, you know what we can do? We can make creatures that don't exist come to life and make it look like they are interacting with the people. 
And uh, that's all thanks to one Willis O'Brien, who pioneered pretty much stop-motion entertainment as we know it today. And that uh, that's a podcast for another day. That man's sad, sad tale. Yes. But uh, we digress. Kong itself. So, so, you know what? We both talked about what our first Godzilla movie was. Now, the beauty about Kong, there's only about eight Kong films. So, we always go back to the Official first. Kong films. Official Kong films. Yeah. There's been a slew of rip-offs. We'll go into those a little King bit. King of Kong Island. Yeah. And Konga. Oh, yes. Uh, Mark, how old were you and where were you when you first saw King Kong? And were, was it before or after Godzilla? Are you talking about the original King the Kong? The original King Kong. Uh, I think by the time I saw the original King Kong, <clears throat> I think I was about about five. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I was in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was after Godzilla, because mm-hmm. like I said before, I don't remember my first Godzilla film because I was so young. Mm-hmm. I think it was Son of Godzilla. Or Godzilla's Revenge. But King Kong, amazingly enough, I had seen King Kong versus Godzilla. And I was very well well aware of King Kong because as a kid I had a slew of monster magazines. And of course, pictures of Kong are all over the thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, li- I grew up in the 1970s when there was, there was not VCRs. Mm-hmm. Before the, uh, DVRs. Uh, when nothing was on demand. Yeah, nothing was on demand. You made demand it, but you weren't going to get it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you watched on TV or you played in the theater, and that's the way it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, King Kong, I wanted to see that so badly. And it did play semi-regularly, but I had to wait for it. And in my young five years, mm-hmm. that was an eternity. <laughs> <laughs> However, though, I was well aware of the story. Mm-hmm. I had memorized the story. Because I uh, uh, I had bought uh, with I think birthday money uh, the oversized reprint of the Gold Key King Kong comic book. Oh! And so it was the whole story of the film. So mm-hmm. I, as a kid, of course, I memorized every single page. But there's a giant gorilla fighting a T Rex in here, and all all sorts of other dinosaurs. Yeah. This. Sounds amazing, and I mm-hmm. saw the photos in the monster magazines. Then finally, it came uh, on TV on Channel Nine, which at the time was owned by RKO. Really? RKO so ran. They were just pretty much running all their their library. Yes, yeah. RKO owned at the time was called KHJ TV, Channel Nine, Los Angeles, and it was part of a, a holiday thing. They had King Kong, the Son of Kong, and mm-hmm. Mighty Joe Young. Pretty much the trifecta. Yeah, so it was my first time seeing King Kong. King Kong. Um, unfortunately, Son of Kong came on way too late, so I couldn't mm. stand to see it. But I saw King Kong, and I loved it. It was just fascinating. And every time it would show, it would show on TV about every six months after that. And every single time I was glued in front of the screen. And then, of course, during that time, noise started to be, to be made about a new King Kong. And I actually still have it. My aunt used to get these uh, those tabloids, like the Star or something. Mm-hmm. And one issue of the Star, because whenever a big film would come out, they would have these, these full color centerfolds. Because uh, I still have the one of the original Star Wars before it came out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this one, it had the Star logo in the corner, and it said King Kong '76 in big letters at the bottom. And it was that famous uh, painting of. Uh, Kong on top of the World Trade Center. Mm-hmm. But this is before it was modified. It was a full jet, not a broken up. Yeah. It's like a bus. But uh, this came out about a year before the it was released in theaters. So, of course, I had this hanging up on my wall. Mm. I still have it. And it's a fantastic poster. It's a fantastic uh, 
piece. It's, it's just amazing. And uh, so, of course, that further cemented the legacy to me. Like, wow, there's more than one King Kong film. Mm-hmm. There's a new one. And, yeah, so I mean, King Kong is one of those those characters that's just iconic. Yeah. I mean, it's like Superman. No, only a handful of others. I mean, you could have a photo. It doesn't matter what the text is. It could be totally alien, totally, you know, intelligible to mm-hmm. anybody else. But you see the image. You know what you're looking at. You see a big gorilla holding a woman on top of a building. You know that's King mm-hmm. Kong. You know, just if you see Superman, and yeah. you, know, you know, you may not have ever seen the movie. You may not even know the basic plot of the film, but you know at some point he grabs a woman in his hands and goes up mm-hmm. to the building and probably gets shot. You know, it's it's become such a worldwide phenomenon, and that's how it all started with the 1933 film, and that's my own personal history with it in a nutshell. So for me, I saw Kong vs. Godzilla first. Mm-hmm. I remember my I bought the I bought that VHS from Toys R Us. They rest in peace. Uh, and I was watching it. I remember my dad walking in. He's like, what are you watching? He's like, I'm watching King Kong versus Godzilla. And he looks at it. He's like, that's not King Kong. And my dad was a big monster guy. He loved the class. Loved monsters. In just, he was never big on Godzilla stuff. He's like, he, it's like, okay, it's in there. At least my, there's something I could talk to my son about. Like, this is before I got into comic books and everything. And he's like, that's not Kong. I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, oh, you know, Tomorrow. I'm going to bring King Kong, the real King Kong, for you to watch. I'm five, six years old. This is, like, I'm a, I'm in the peak of my Godzilla kick hunting VHSs. So he goes to his buddy who owns a comic book store and was a prominent bootlegger of films. We had a lot of stuff. We even had, that's how we got our first copy of the Fantastic Four movie. At least we got the trailer for it from him. Mm-hmm. And he he went to him, he's like, my he, he told me too, he's like, I went I went to my buddy Paul, told him, like, my son is watching King Kong versus Godzilla. This is like 92, 93. And they, they both got like, what the fuck? What, what, what's he doing watching that? It's like, here's the original King. Like, pshaw to your King Kong versus Godzilla. This is the real stuff right here. So he gave him King Kong versus Godzilla. He's like, I don't have Son of Kong, but give me a week. I'll find it. He brought home a bootleg of King Kong. He's like, here, go sit down and go watch this. And I thus did. And the problem was is that the tape cut off halfway through because the dubbing didn't go all the way through. Ugh. So I got to the point where the T-Rex starts showing up and then it cut off and like it's just it's blue screen. So that was it for like a year. What almost. a cliffhanger. Yeah, <laughs> but he got Song of Kong like the next week. So I watched Song of Kong all the way through before I even finished King Kong. Mm. And it wasn't until Godzilla Theater was running out here on King Kong. You're Cal kidding. Night, yes, that I finally got to watch King Kong all the way through because when they ran out of their cachet... So, for those not who didn't grow up out here in the in the 90s in LA, uh, there was Godzilla Theater on our on what used on to be the cha- arcade on Channel Nine. Channel Nine. Yeah. It's called K Cal at that point. Yeah, it was K Cal Nine at that point. It was hosted by two young upstarts called Kevin and Bean from K Rock, who uh, now have the longest running show on radio in Los Angeles. And they pretty much there. It was like a little Elvira Spanguli thing. They're still, like, they're still in the air. They're still in the air. Wow. They are still going strong. They're one of the few left. They beat out Mark and Brian. So uh, it was, I think it was 12 episodes all together that they put together. And each episode had them, had bumpers of them, like, talking. And then they had this beautiful giant, the giant-sized Bandai 64 figure in the back that, that was the prop for it, for the show. 
And so they did five Godzilla movies, and then like, well, we're moving into other stuff. That's how I saw Frankenstein Conquers the World for the first time. Yeah, I saw and, I saw that there, but I had seen it like back in like 1980. Yeah, but I hadn't seen it since then. So when they ran out of the Godzilla films, they started going to the off Godzilla films. So it was after Frankenstein Conquers the World, then they did Island of the Burning Dam, which to this day, screw that movie because God, is that boring? Yeah. <laughs> And then when they, because they would preview, hey, here's what's coming next week. Yeah. They, they both record everything yeah. together. I always wondered why that movie was chosen. Then I found out, well, because somebody was a fan. I mean, that it double featured with Godzilla's Revenge in mm. some markets. And pretty much, I'm pretty sure it's whatever they had sitting in, yeah. the, in the film vault, like in the, the library in the back. So, yeah. like, we got some Godzilla movies and we got these. And I remember specifically because it was the second to last episode, they're like, next week. King Kong, and they show the scene of Kong grabbing the native and biting down on him. That was the preview that they showed. And I'm like, oh, wow, I can finally watch it all. Now, the show at that point had flipped from 2 in the afternoon to midnight on Saturdays. So I had to stay up. I was in this very house spending at my grandparents' house. And I camped out. I'm like, my grandpa's like, go to bed. I'm like, no, King Kong's going to be on. I have to watch it. And he just kind of rolled his eyes. All right, fine. <laughs> just close the door. I don't want to hear it. So stood up, watched Kong for the first time all the way through on Godzilla Theater. Took two hours, but I got through it. I'm just like, okay, I see what everyone's talking about. But an eight-year-old Chris could not fully appreciate the grandeur that was King Kong at the time, because mind you, I'm already living in the world post Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of like, yeah, there's, but there's big dinosaurs running around down the screen. And admittedly, it was like, yeah, that's a little cooler. It wasn't until I got a little older when you get into like, oh, here's how King Kong was made. Here's how everything was done. And you're looking back and it's like, they don't do movies where a big gorillas on a fantastical, like, Pretty much a giant. It is came everything in that film came out of like an Edgar Rice Burroughs book, and you're just suddenly like, yeah, they don't do stuff like this anymore. And you know, as I got older, it's like you learn to appreciate Kong much more than uh, than I did as a kid. But that was the first time I saw Son of Kong, Mighty Joe Young, then King Kong, and that's the order that I saw him in. Yeah, well, back in the day, if you watched, if you depended on television broadcasts for your as your sole source of this stuff, you mm-hmm. watched them with every. Ever, or you got them in. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and then I learned about, there were, then my dad started giving me famous monster magazines. Mm-hmm. And I learned there was another Japanese Kong film called King Kong Escapes. I'm yes. like, what? What is this? And that's where Gorosaurus was from. I'm like, I need to find, took me eight years to find a copy of that movie, <laughs> too. Nobody had it. Nobody. Yeah, it was hard to find for a while. Yeah, that was, that was my, that was my great white buffalo. Yeah, but back when I was a filthy bootlegger, mm-hmm. uh, I actually went to a friend's house because the family channel was airing it. Mm-hmm. So I was able to record it and edit out with all the commercials. That's how I got my Gamera Super Monster. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's exactly like that's we the only way I aired it. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, mine was TBS, Up All Night, Monster Vision. Oh, really? Yeah. Elvira aired it like in 81, I think. And I, at that time, I had never even heard of the freaking thing. <laughs> and so I was like, what the hell is this? Mm-hmm. And it, it was so new to me that you know, I thought Zegra was... I mean, especially for that film. I had yeah. no idea that was another Gamma vs. Zegra movie at the time. But, yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, uh, it was interesting seeing all this stuff as kids. This is how we discovered it. And then, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, like we're saying, it, it opened the door to so many other films that featured oh. the character. But, you know, let's talk a little bit about the original, though. Yes, that's, well, you have to. 
Yeah, I mean, th- th- this is the anniversary of, mm-hmm. you know, but this is what's this is what pretty much started it all. It's held in, I think, the Library of Congress rates it like at least in their top ten films of all time. Yeah, like American yeah. films. Oh yeah, definitely. I think it's that Wizard of Oz. I think Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, oh, um, Gone with the Wind. So you know, everything from that era. They're like these are the greats. I'm like, you know, you know, there a few of them actually do deserve. Kong is definitely one of them. Oh yeah. Kong is pure filmmaking in its own right because it's just like. We're being imaginative and we're executing it as well as we could for the time, and we're just trying to tell a grand story. Like the the character, what today if that movie was made exactly how it was today, <clears throat> people would have said it's chauvinistic. The car, the characters are cardboard cutouts. They would, there's a lot of stuff that, that today's you know critic would have been like poo pooing it. But back then, because and I think that's the beauty is because it's earned its rightful place. That you know you only it's like yeah, this kind of ahead of its time in many aspects. It was, and and it was just like a perfect storm of different um, ingredients mm-hmm. that made this. I mean, sure, you know, <laughs> on one hand, you have the amazing stop motion effects of Willis O'Brien, and he, you know, at that point, he had pretty much mastered his craft because mm-hmm. he, you know, he had been doing this for years. You know, in 1925, with his version of The Lost World. And also with a lot of his uh, earlier short films. I don't know if you've ever seen them, like The Ghost of Slumber Mountain. Mm-hmm. And then uh, his uh, test footage for uh, his creation project that never saw the light of God day. God bless YouTube, because that's the first time I ever saw that footage. And someone yeah. found it and put it up. I'm like, oh, my God. That was, that was I only ever seen steals of that thing. I'm like, what is this? I've read articles on uh, about O'Brien, his early footage, when he would screen it for audiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, at you know Hollywood events and and, and uh, what have you, um, people were just blown away because this hadn't been done on this scale with the big sets. Mm-hmm. People thought, you know, some people thought, did did you find actual dinosaurs? Yeah. You know, it was just amazing to them. You know, now it's you know, mm-hmm. audiences now, oh, it looks phony, it looks fake. But for the, for the time, yeah, it was mind blowing. There's a story. That I've read, I don't know if it's true, but I've read it in a few places, that at some big Hollywood party in the 20s, he was screening uh, some of his uh, dinosaur footage, Mm -hmm. and the audience was just mesmerized, and afterwards, a guy came up to him insisting, how did you do that? How did you you do that? I don't know how you did it. You have to tell me, how did you do that? That guy was Harry Houdini. Ah! Well, yeah, and that's great, because Harry Houdini was always snuffed. It's like I gotta snuff out this bullshit. If he couldn't figure it out, yeah, it always blew his mind because he was because at the same time snuffing out the bullshit, but he wanted to be yeah like surprised and amazed. Yeah, and yeah. So yeah, that definitely sounds like something the Houdini would be like. What you no? You have channeled the power of God himself. What have you done here? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's one of those great stories that like along with like the the old story of the you know the old. Film of the the train and the audience panicking to get mm. to get a real train coming through the yeah. screen. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good story. But yeah, I mean, you had the amazing effects work of uh, Willis O'Brien, and all, but also, you know, RKO Studios um, put a as lot of Hollywood as it got back. Then, yeah, too. I mean, because um, a lot of the a lot of the sets are cannibalized from other productions. Mostly, I think it was Marion C. Cooper's most um, dangerous game. Most dangerous game. Because Fay Ray was also in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so all the jungle scenes were from most dangerous game. All the jungle footage. I mean, jungle sets. Yeah, sorry. Uh, but it all came together into this amazing film. And you know, 
and it, it was it was groundbreaking. It was successful, and uh, you know, it, so much was conveyed from that that small stop motion armature. O'Brien was able to make Kong sympathetic. Mm-hmm. I mean, because there had been you know monsters and stuff before, but you didn't feel for them. And if that, and if you didn't feel for Kong, the movie doesn't work at all. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, you know, now you know they make a big deal with uh, CGI motion capture. Oh, we put 100 dots on the actor's face, so you can see, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the emotion and, and the expression. O'Brien did this with a, you know, know, a 15 with, inch armature. Yeah, you know, like you, you it, I don't think pe- people today even appreciate the. Because when you're doing that, like it's not like today where if you look at like uh, how uh, uh, Lika or uh, Armin when they do it, like they're like, yeah, we have ten, twenty different mouth movements mm-hmm. and different eyes because it simplified the process. Back then, he didn't have it. He was just like, all right, let's put a little crease here. Let's move this. It's like it's very much it was, you know, one puppet. It has to do everything. So, you know, there there was painstaking hours put into the into this thing. And the fact that he also, they filmed this movie under a year, too, which is astonishing, because I yes. think O'Brien pretty much was doing all everything on his own at that point, too. Well, Marcel Delgado. Okay. So. Marcel Delgado's But still, it's a two-man job! Yeah, yeah, still. Yeah. Two guys doing two pretty guys much everything. Two guys doing the whole thing. <laughs> and, now, and mind you, not the fact that, because how, how, how just a runaway hit Kong was, RKO commissioned a sequel, got it out in the same year, because, yeah, it was April when uh, Kong came out. I think it was December when Son of Kong came out in That's, the same year, yeah. and they both met. And mind you, people kind of poo-poo Son of Kong. It's a it's a kiddie. It's a much more of a lighthearted kiddie film. But still, to do a, a full stop motion, and there's quite a bit of a there's some creature awesome footage. stuff in there too. Yeah. And that's all stop motion. This yeah. wasn't like okay, let's uh, put the guys in the suit and you know, and which is an art to itself. But yeah. this is time consuming stop motion. They they rushed this thing up. And what was funny about it, another you've. You've heard the story about Jamboree? No, I have not. When King Kong came out, it was such a huge hit. And, of course, RKO, okay, we need another one. Yeah. And they're like... Uh, the, movie mentality, the studio mentality was the same yeah. thing as it is now. But they were still trying to, uh, you know, make it a surprise for people. Mm-hmm. So I think it was Cooper, you know, told the public, you know, well, if you like that one, mm-hmm. where do you see our next one? It's called Jamboree. <laughs> Yeah, but Jamboree, what the, it sounds like a generic 30s musical. Yeah. But Jamboree is to King Kong and Son of Kong as Blue Harvest was to Star Wars. Mm, that was the, the name the, it shot the, under. The working time. Because they said, if people see Son of Kong and know we're making another one, mm. they want to see how we do it. And we're going to yeah. be dealing with people trying to sneak into the set and everything. Mm-hmm. So the shooting title was Jamboree, or the project title anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and then Son of Kong you know, came out. At, at the end of the year, and I, I think Son of Kong is one of those really unsung sequels. I mean, of course, King Kong's a classic; you can't yeah. you can't get near it. But Son of Kong is a great film in its own right. I mean, it's a direct sequel; it picks mm-hmm. up pretty much right after yeah. King Kong. I mean, Denon's being chased through, you know, being sued by everyone for all yeah. of Kong's damage. And, that, and that's the beautiful thing. It's like literally, it's like what's going to happen after all this? Like. Someone's got to pay for this stuff. Like, yeah, I'm broke and destitute. I'm on the run because, yeah, I brought this this 30 foot ape into the into, the, into <laughs> New York and it caused all kinds of mayhem. Son of Kong answers yeah. that in the first five minutes. That's <laughs> it, it, genius, genius. Most movies wouldn't have done that. They're just like, yeah, here's just another adventure. It's like, no, there's direct you know consequences, consequences to it. And like, 
him trying to take another bite of the apple. It's like it, that's you know a reason to go back to Skull Island. Like, yeah, okay, you know what? That makes sense because it's like okay, well this didn't work, but I know a place where there's a ton of other cool crap, including like real real life dinosaurs. We could bring one of these things back. I can make it work. It's well, it, also the reason they're going for it was for the fabled treasure to pay for all of this mm-hmm. shit. So he can actually be, you know, take, be, be taken off the persona non grata list. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I really do. I mean, I know Mighty Joe Young gets more the uh, the praise over Sonicon does, but yeah, Sonicon is is a fun film. And not only that, but the Baby Kong is in many aspects just as as expressionable, even more oh, so. Yeah, more so. Because he really did. I mean, O'Brien. I, mean, it was, I don't think it was O'Brien that did the effects. Still got it. Yeah, it's not. I mean, he conveyed like, yeah, here's a baby. Like, he literally is a baby. Like, he's a mm-hmm. child. He's got that. Ch- the eyes convey this childlike wonder to him. Like, he's curious. Yeah. And then, you know, what? Like, when he fights the Staracosaur, and it wasn't the Staracosaur. It was the cave bear. Okay, he fights right. the cave bear. Yeah. yeah. Ah, there's there's wonderful wonderful sequence there. Especially that scene when he fights the cave bear and they do the barrel roll. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm just like that's that that is awesome. So it look it's no. It's no Kong and T-Rex sequence, which but it's still a fun. It's film. still a fun film, but yeah, and let's let's just say like yeah, Kong and T-Rex. I mean, does it get any better than that, uh, Mark? Yeah, because I mean, like like you mentioned before, in King Kong Escapes, mm-hmm. they pretty much recreated that scene with, with Sumation. Yeah, it's still a very iconic scene. Uh, the T-Rex and Kong fight. Well, I mean, look, I mean, there was, I mean, uh, O'Brien is adding these little these little bits to it, like so. When he's, when he's, I mean, the the whole rear projecting of the fight, too, yes, genius. Mm-hmm. Especially because it's like, okay, well, we could just focus on the monsters, but we got to convey Faye Ray's in trouble at some point. So yeah. it's like, okay, well, let's rear project. And that Something that Harry Housing years later was yeah. like, that was the the main focus of like, here's how we get skeletons to fight actors. Yeah. And that adds to the tension because you're like, they're gonna crush her. Yeah. 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 Nowadays, if you're a little more stupid, you're looking at it, say, okay, she's not really there, but back, but even, but even still, it's just like. She's stuck on that giant tree, and there's a and Kong is fighting fearlessly to keep her protected from this menacing T-Rex. By the way, I still love that T-Rex design to this day. There's yeah. a part of me that lo- like I, I get we're moving towards a better anatomy, but yeah. in the early days of when we when we were figuring out how dinosaurs look, especially when they drag their tails yes. around and stuff like that. I, I love just, tail dragging dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> to me, that, that's what a T-Rex looks like. Very much so. Like the big head, the chomp. Yeah. So in, when Kong is like, when they're he's judo flipping him and he's pounding him, like you got to realize, like he sat there for like probably two weeks mapping this whole thing out and animating it. And to add, like you could, most people would be like, all right, and you've seen it in later films where it's just like, all right, we're done with the fight, we're moving on to the next thing because... I, I, I can't add any more to this. We're, we're, we're running behind. That's just like the little nods. Like when Kong finally snaps the T-Rex neck and breaks his jaw, he plays with it a little bit like yeah. that. Like those little character moments. Yeah. That's the stuff. And now, and look, that right there, that right there, for me, personifies everything that is right with a giant, with a big monster movie. That is character moments right there. That is what a lot of them that, you know, Especially in the fifties when they were making the real cheap ones, yeah. like tarantula and stuff like that, like, it never had the same effect. Because yeah, those like, are just monster on the loose films. You know, the, the even though you, you go there to see the monster, mm-hmm. it's like they're just monsters. You you don't ide- really identify with them. They're just you know generic villains. Uh, you know, Godzilla had a personality, but it actually took 
a number of films for him very much so. to, to develop that personality. Mm-hmm. Kong had the first personality in the very first film. Mm-hmm. You felt bad for him yeah. at the end. Because he was taken out of his element. Yeah. He was forced to... And, uh, yeah, believe me, there's a lot of, like, um, there's a lot of racial issues in that film. Like, yeah. a lot of uh, interpretation to be taken from it. But, yeah, you really do feel bad for Kong, especially at the end. It's like, we brought him here, he fell in love, and he all he wanted to do was just go back home with his lady, mm-hmm. and pretty much we had to kill him for it. I've uh, I've made this distinction uh, at a couple of uh, events that I've like <laughs> given talks at on uh, monster movies, and uh, th- that's you know King Kong and Godzilla are like two iconic movie monsters, mm-hmm. and I said in a nutshell this can be this can be the difference between King Kong and Godzilla. King Kong is a victim of humanity's arrogance. Mm-hmm. Godzilla is punishment for humanity's arrogance. Very much so. Yeah. And it only made sense for them to, well, in a way, meet late years later. Yeah, yeah. The fact that that... Should we, I mean, we're, we're, well, where do you want to go first? Because I, I'm, I'm already jumping ahead on certain things. Like, You're going to go to the bill of King Kong? Well, well because that, it does tie into the whole story, too. Uh, yeah, let's just go there. Because, I mean, Mighty Joe Young, let's kind of skip over Mighty Joe Young because... It's related, but it's not Kong. It's not. No, it's Kong and Spirit. It's Kong and Spirit, yeah. It's a good movie on its own. And you know, oh, yeah, I do, it's, it's a masterpiece. I, I, do find, I did find the uh, the remake pretty good, too. I love the remake. Yeah. Bill Paxton's awesome in it, it, In fact, uh, in 98, mm-hmm. I was more excited for the remake of Mighty Joe Young than I was for TriStar's Godzilla. You know, it's one of the few movies that kind of that properly captured the spirit of the original, too. Yeah. You know, and of course, mm-hmm. I'm a sucker for fan service. Yeah. So it was great to see Terry Moore mm-hmm. and Robert Armstrong, <laughs> the little cameos there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the suit was awesome, too. The, 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 the giant animatronic suit they built for for the close-up scenes. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. it was amazing. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's, you know, going, jumping ahead quickly. Um I heard that in Peter Jackson's remake, that was a that was a missed opportunity, uh, just due to fate. Mm-hmm. Uh, the final line, "Beauty killed," uh, was "Beauty killed the beast." Yeah, that was supposed to be fate. Fate, right? right? It was. Yeah, and she died like I think like a year before production started. Or something. Yeah. No, that I mean yeah, no. Peter Jackson came out and was like, yeah, very much so. He's like, fate was going to be. She was going to deliver the last line. It was going to be her, and it was going to be yeah that. And then unfortunately, he's like. She passed away, so went to Jack Black. Yeah. So, and yeah, because when, after she was gone, that's it. The last connection to anybody on that film was gone. So, yeah. but uh, let's move, well, let's let's move forward. The legacy that this creates. So Kong sets the standard of like this is how you do a big, pulpy adventure film and how you do it right. Like this is truly like cinematic, you know, wonderment at its finest. Like because it's like here, what can we put together? What can we show you that doesn't exist in the real world? And, you know, it, it gave us a lot of stuff. It gave us, uh, Willis O'Brien continuing for it, cause they're like, okay, well, can you do more of this for us? And sadly, O'Brien, man, he, uh, uh, he didn't see great years after Kong at all. Yeah, that's really. It was his protege of all people that saw the, 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 uh, he got, he got all the kudos and he became the, like, the guy that set the legacy. And, and the irony is that O'Brien pretty much pioneered all this stuff. And, but it was Harryhausen that, is in in the end, the history will look back on. It's like he's going to obtain most of the credit for it. And, but look, rightfully so. Look at the work that that man put out. So we get O'Brien. He's from there. He did after I think it was Money Joe Young. He didn't do anything for a while, right? He did. 
I think he did Giant Behemoth. Yeah, yeah, he worked on Behemoth. And then he tried to get, I think he tried to get Creation and War Eagles going. Well, yeah, I was, I was about to mention War Eagles. War Eagles would have been a spectacular. I, I could do a whole episode on War Eagles. Mm. That was one of the great unmade films. War uh, Eagles. Look, look at his storyboards for it. It's. Uh, and then the stills of the supposed test footage. Mm-hmm. My God, it, it's. I don't know if such a film can be made today because I know people have been talking about. You know, it would have to be very rocketeer-like. Yeah. But uh, and I think we, I think we could do that though. I think it would have. To yeah. Be. A, a, a combination between <clears throat> rocketeer and uh, sky captain. Yeah. And that, the world that, is tomorrow. That that. Uh, that uh, you have to be, echo yeah, you have to be heavy in the, into the the whole atmosphere of the thing. But War, for those who don't know, War Eagles was a concept, uh, a movie about a lost civilization of Vikings that rode on the backs of giant eagles, and they lived on this a lost world where dinosaurs still lived. So mm-hmm. there were fights between the giant eagles and dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. The the test footage shows. Uh, a T-Rex looking very much like the Kong T-Rex fighting a giant eagle with a, <laughs> a Viking on his back. And so then uh, the story went on to where, of course, the Nazis are, you know, <laughs> conquering everything. Mm-hmm. And they convince uh, this lost uh, tribe who wants nothing to do with the outside world, mm-hmm. you have to help us. So It's a little bit of the Wonder Woman story, many aspects. Yeah, 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 pretty much. So they join in the fight against all the Nazi airplanes on their giant eagles. Ah. This sounds like a great damn movie. I, we bar- we got a, a small glimpse of it in that Flash Gordon film of what, it, like, just, just a tiny thing. like when, when the Hawkmen are fighting yes. uh, the Ming's forces. Yeah. That, but imagine that on a grander scale. Yeah, and then with dinosaurs, too. Dinosaurs oh. make everything better. Yeah. It's... Yeah, I have a couple of books on the on the War Eagles. Well, and Carl Masek adapted it, didn't he? Yeah, Carl, first yeah, Carl, Carl Masek did a uh, a novelization of War Eagles, mm-hmm. and uh, this is a uh, I think this is right after Robotech, and because uh, he tried to get off the ground for a while too. Yeah, right? yeah, he was also he was also one who was trying to uh, do a, a a version of it because he did his novelization, mm-hmm. and in fact, there's even. Uh, an, an audio book in the novelization, which I'm trying to track down, is pretty hard to find. But uh, yeah, so uh, Google it, War Eagles, and it's it's a great. Uh, that's that's one of uh, O'Brien's. It was like that was in the 50s. He was trying to push that, right? No, it was like I think in the 40s still. I believe it was in the 40s. Yeah, because yeah, it wasn't like I think his actual. He actually, he, yeah, because after Behemoth, like work was drying up. So I think he tr- the the story goes that like he tried to pitch a new Kong film. And he wanted to do it was a King Kong was a King Kong versus Prometheus. King Kong versus uh, Frankenstein. Yeah, 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 Prometheus. Yeah, King Kong versus Frankenstein first, mm-hmm. and then Frankenstein became King Kong versus Prometheus, mm-hmm. and then King Kong versus the Ginkgo. Mm-hmm. They kept changing the new names of it. Basically, it was the story was uh, Kong lives, Kong survives his plunge mm-hmm. off the Empire State Building. And the concept used later on. Yes, <laughs> from a, a, a later version, mm-hmm. and uh, some kind of through a series of events, mm-hmm. uh, a fight, a, a a boxing match, what have you, mm-hmm. early MMA fight, yeah, is scheduled is uh, arranged between King Kong and Frankenstein, which is the creation of 
Dr. Frankenstein or a relative. Yeah, I think it was his grandson or something yeah. like that. Who, yeah. who retained the Frankenstein name, but he wasn't the Frankenstein. He was yeah. continuing the work. Retained the Frankenstein name and also... Okay. Here's the four young Frankenstein. Yeah. And also the secret of uh, Dr. Frankenstein's uh, bringing the dead back to life. Mm-hmm. And the ginkgo was basically a giant animal made out of like dead elephants and other rhinos and other animals. It was a true chimera, pretty much. Yeah, and, and it was the size of King Kong. Mm-hmm. So this thing was stitched together out of large animals. And it was humanoid in shape, and uh, it was supposed to fight King Kong. And there are amazing um, uh, product, uh, pre-production drawings mm-hmm. showing Kong and the Ginkgo you know, duking it out in the street. And uh, yeah, so that's a, that's another it, interesting. Project. Oh my god! If that it, again, it, it was the concept alone. I think still could happen today. I'm shocked. Like uh, you know, I, I'm going to next. I wanted my Comic Con. I'm going to hit up um, Boom because they got the Kong license. Just like you guys ever considered, like maybe adapting this for like maybe a six part, a six issue. Mini I series? would love to see a uh, adaptation of War Eagles. I'd love to see all that stuff. Like, look, Boom is knocking out the park right now. If you're not reading their Kong or their Ape stuff, they have a Kong on the Planet of the Apes series right now that is... I still have to pick that up. It's amazing. It's on the third or fourth issue? Oh, my God. Yeah, they're on the fourth issue. So they're they're wrapping it up pretty soon. But it's Zira, Dr. Zaius, and Cornelius. And they travel to Skull Island. They find out that there's other Apes societies out there that are far more advanced than they are. Like they find the wet, the African ape society. I know that sounds a little like sketchy, but they are like way ahead of them. They find that humans do exist, like, and they're not dumb. They're like, and it's like it's a, more of a, like a matter of crisis of faith for Doctor Zayas than anything else. He's like, because they worship, they find a Kong body, yeah, and but it's a female Kong, and they worship it as a god. They're like, oh my god, they're like Zayas is like this proves everything. We're 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 right. We were the the thing. And then when they get to Skull Island, and there's because it it's in the future still, yeah. and there's these advanced humans who can still talk. They're like, and Zayas is like having a meltdown. General Eurus is like, he's like, look, this is like this, you know, this is our god. We gotta bring him back and all this stuff. Oh, it's, uh, it's fantastic. I so, really need to read that. Uh, and you know, I can't, I can't not hear those voices in my head on real. Like I hear Roddy McDowell, yes, and I hear, I hear everybody. I hear everyone when I talk. Like they're doing a night. So I would love to see like. I'm gonna hit him on like boom, like you gotta adapt some of this stuff that that O'Brien was pushing, especially like King Kong versus Frankenstein. Do this kind of thing. Nobody else is doing it. Why? It you know, what's it gonna hurt? Like six issues, you can probably make something fantastic out of it. The late '30s War Eagles was supposed to happen. So late '30s was War Eagles, and that's like Harryhausen was starting to strike out on his own at that point too, wasn't he? Like he hadn't really made it. He was still under his tutelage, right? Yeah. I yeah. think he might have been working on him with that. Yeah, yeah, he was working on it, yeah. So it wasn't until, like, the late 40s, early 50s when Harryhausen was like, I'm going out on my own. That's when we get, start getting, like, Beast from 20,000 Phantoms, yeah. and we start getting, like, some higher quality stuff that wasn't yeah. just rear-projected. Uh, yeah, but like, but War Eagles would have been totally in the vein of Kong because it was also a Marion C. Cooper mm-hmm. story. So, production. So we get, um, so we get O'Brien on his in his last days. I think he was destitute at that time too, wasn't he? I, I I don't know. I believe he was broke. I know he was broke. So he was pitching this thing, and it comes to a producer named John Beck, who tells him he's like, "You got something great here, boy. Let me find you know, let me find somebody who can make it for you." So he shopped it around town, end up making a contact to Toho, and he's like, "I got the rights to this. Would you like to make it?" And Toho was like, "Sure, but we would rather do it with Godzilla." 
Beck was like, yeah, why not? <laughs> so as long as I get a check. Yeah, as long as you cut, cut that check, I got nothing. I got, I got, I don't care what you do. You can have Kong tap dance on the Empire State Building for all I care. As long as you get a check. Shysted O'Brien out of credit. Shysted O'Brien out of money. And that's how we got King Kong versus Godzilla. Weirdly, in, in, it seems that every time we get something like this, so Kong versus Godzilla only came about because someone had the rights that wasn't that wasn't controlled by or was given permission to by the original studio. Or I don't think O'Brien even had the rights, or he had some rights to it. The rights of Kong are still very murky. That's why Kong Skull Island is only called Kong, Kong not Skull King Island, Kong, not King Kong, because Universal when they were going to make it, they were going to call it King Kong mm-hmm. Skull Island, and then when we moved to Warner Brothers, Universal's like, yeah, you can do it. But you can't call it King Kong's Call Island because we own King Kong. Yeah. Even though other people said, no, you don't own King Kong. We do because I believe Kong was a book first. Yes. So there's, there's a publication yeah. history, and then that's where that keeps coming Yeah, yeah the, the, the family of, of, uh, <coughs> of Cooper, mm-hmm. I believe they still retain the, the rights to the novelization of King Kong. Mm-hmm. The movie rights, uh, RKO. RKO, and then whoever the hell bought them out. I think uh, Turner bought out RKO, and then yeah, Universal Turner, and bought then, Turner. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so the the movie rights, uh, the publishing rights, those are two separate things. Mm-hmm. And then the rights to the character, yeah, it, it's yeah, it's still very very convoluted. Because I think that's how how um, O'Brien was man was able to yeah to get out there. Because even in the, even in the night uh, the seventies, yeah, you know, uh, there was almost another King Kong film. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, there was, there was um, Universal's Legend of King Kong. Yeah, which was supposed to be a stop motion film set in the thirties. Basically, it was a, a remake, a direct remake of uh, set in the thirties. There was a script review. There, there was a shot because um, they made uh, they made um, um, Dunham a gigantic asshole in that one too. Like he, they turned the asshole up on him like by by ten. Like they, he dies in it too. In, in for what I did, I read the script. It's one of my top like scripts I would because there's a script out there somewhere of it. I would love to read it. I, it's it's up there like I got Bob Gale's Doc Strange script and like this I'm like, okay, so I need to find this Kong script. Because someone the, the person who was doing the review of it said, yeah, but like there's a scene. They recreate the scene of Kong on top of the Empire State Building. Dunham is one of the biplanes and he's filming it. And Kong like spots Dunham like at this point he recognizes Dunham and he swats the plane, breaks the plane in half as Dunham is falling to like the, he's like the script says Dunham is falling to his death and he films Kong continues to film like cranking it as he falls to his death before the the camera cuts away of him splattering onto the ground like wow. he was that dedicated like he was he was a he was a, uh, a just a shyster like he get he lets members of his uh, crew die on Skull Island when yeah. they're there like he's like they there's they always that the there's always that potential with Denim because in Jackson's Kong he, mm-hmm. he portrays him pretty much as, as an opportunist yeah no, he's not a, quite evil but no, he's no, also not yeah he, he, he's very yeah he's not he's not above uh, uh, screwing people over or or, or, mm-hmm. uh, or just outright you know he's not worried like he's not going to let you die but if you die and you, it's like we have to do it in his memory. Yeah, what's yeah. not me? So yeah. yeah, and he's yeah he's not quite as uh, as malevolent as uh, uh, Charles Grodin's character, mm-hmm. who was supposed to, who was yeah, kind of stand in, yeah, the denim stand in yeah. in the seventy six King Kong. But because uh, I mean, if anything, the original denim in the third, I mean, he's very likable. Yeah, I think. I'll share it all with you boys. Yeah, I mean, he, he we're rich. Yeah, if, if anything, his problem is he's too. Um, 
he's too optimistic. Mm-hmm. You know, he's very naive in a lot of there, ways. Yeah, there, and that adds the wonderment of it because he's just like, look, like, just look at all this. Like, he's yeah. like, it, you're with him. And it's like, look at this vast primeval world. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's out of time. And he's just like, it's all like fantastic. Get it all. Get it all. Like, exactly. Get everything. Instead of calm, look, there it is. The yeah. treasure of the island. Yeah. He's, he's like the total adventurous spirit without any. Very little clue yeah. as to the dangers involved. There were simpler times, Mark. Yeah. Know, there were, some would argue better times. <laughs> you see, you know, he seems like he seems like a rich kid mm-hmm. who's never really faced real danger. Yeah. So that's why he walks into it mm-hmm. eyes wide open, and but you know, he, but he accepts it though. He's just like, yeah. bring me whatever you yeah. throw at me, like, yeah. And that that's the again adds to the whole wonderment. I think that's part of the reason why a lot of people. Take to, because it, look, there's movies that are like the special effects drawing in, but like you have to have the human aspect of the story has to draw in. Yeah. And Dunham, like, like okay, let's go save this girl. I precariously put into danger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oops, my bad. But he's just like, it's just a reason for us to go out there finally. Like, let's get in there. Yeah, like, I, let's I, gas bomb the crap yeah, out of some things. I mean, I mean, despite the whole thing happening because of Denim, mm-hmm. I think Denim is still the hero of King Kong he very m- much more is. than Jack Driscoll is. Yeah, very much so. Because even in the end, like he's remorseful. It's like, yeah, he didn't even want. He, I believe, he didn't even want them to shoot Kong down too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think he wanted. I think that, I think there was he was. Uh, it's been a while since I watched it, but uh, my my memory might be fading. Or I saw something else. I think he was like arguing against them, like gunning him down. Like we can figure out like another way or something like that. But yeah, no. But hit, yeah, Dunham. Like I, I never understood. Like I got where people can interpret him as like a giant jackass. Mm-hmm. Like and for later, but when you watch that original, because I went back right after the Peter Jackson one came out, because I'm just like. Yeah, they really had Jack Black. It was a little sleazy in this, yeah. and I just remember going back. I'm like, yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't a sleazy bag. He was just. He was full of whimsy. Yeah, not the original denim. Yeah, I, I, I didn't read him that way anyway. Neither did I. But I, later, later ones. In fact, I believe even in because Jackson was going to make Kong before he made Frighteners originally, mm-hmm. and that script was completely different. And his denim too was like a giant jackass. But it wasn't uh, as long as the one that he ended up making. So yeah. and we'll talk about that in a minute. But as we get to King Kong versus Godzilla, uh, we're pretty much, you know, it's at this point. So Godzilla only had two movies, but phenomenon at this yeah. point. It's like, so it's like Freddy and Jason. When are they going to meet? Like, you have to at this point. And we did. And, you know, as much as, you know, famously EJ Subarai even says, like, the whole reason I do this stuff is because of King Kong. Yes. Like, many, many. Yeah, he had he had a, his own uh, reel of King Kong. It turns out a lot of people did. A lot, a lot of famous people, a lot of infamous people love King Kong. <laughs> Hitler. Hitler loved King Kong. That's why, was never, like, that's why a lot of people were like, you know, if Hitler did Kong, like, he wasn't probably going to put... America under the foot like he did Europe because he's just like he loved this stuff. He, especially Hollywood, he was he loved Hollywood. Many of our megalomaniacs in history, like recent history, love Kim Jong uh, Il. Yeah. Famously loved, and he even said, "I love King Kong." King Kong's a great movie. Uh, um, and I do believe um, there's some. Oh God, there was some other like really. There's some other terrible human being I can't recall at the moment <laughs> that that just adored King Kong. But like a lot of these guys, a lot of like these dictator guys, all love this, stuff. and they always cite King. King Kong is always among them. Like, oh, man, I love King Kong. Is like America. That's what you want out of America. It's like <laughs> go grab your dream. It's like yes, I will. I will go and conquer the the world. <laughs> so, 
But yeah, no, that, that and, you know, many famous people cite Kong, yeah, and many infamous people. But uh, Subaraya especially, even you know, uh, he's even gone on records like, yeah, Kong's the reason why I do what I do. Like, but he he even knew he's like, I'm restricted by my you know resources. So it's like, as much as you know, he wanted he would love to have done stop motion at that point. That wasn't his realm anymore. Yeah, because like, originally they asked him, you know, when they're making Godzilla. Could you do the stop motion? He said mm-hmm. it would take a couple of years to do this. Mm-hmm. So that's why they did Sumation. Because even back then, it wasn't the process wasn't really that that well known yet. It wasn't like it wasn't like it, uh, outside of the uh, unless someone stood there with you to show you directly how to properly do it. Yeah, because I mean, as far as to my knowledge, I mean, all the documentaries that showed how it was done came out later. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why you know with the whole jamboree thing, they didn't want people going in to see how it was done. Very much so. In, yeah. in many aspects, that's. Same thing with Godzilla. They didn't tell anybody that was done for the longest time. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was like six, seven years before they finally said you had to do it in a suit. Yeah. So. Uh, there were there were a few sporadic articles, but they weren't mainstream. No. I don't think it wasn't until Harryhausen finally started showing people. And it's like, come to my studio. I'll show you how I do this one. And it's like, it's a puppet. And I move it inch by inch. And people were like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, because I've seen. The most tri- that's the most trivial thing you can ever do. I've seen those. uh those uh, shorts that Columbia put out showing how he did, the, you know, the work and on Seventh Voyage to Sinbad. Another another collaboration by Harry Housen and uh, Charles M. Schneer. Dynamation. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, that, <laughs> I, well, I had one of those VHS that collected all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that was on there too. It was just like, here's how we do it all. Yeah, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a couple of those collections on Amazon Prime. Oh, like, is there? I, I, sometimes when I'm doing work, I put them on just to have noise in the background. <laughs> Something interesting. Well, anyway, uh, so. We'll skip over Mighty Joe Young, great yeah. people, it's part of the legacy, and we have talked about it. And as far as uh, Kong goes, it had a, had a successful, a number of successful re-releases in theaters, mm-hmm. I think in the 50s and stuff, which also kind of influenced Godzilla. And it kept it going, too. Yeah. and Kept it alive. Yeah. And then, of course, once the 60s rolled around, they started showing it on television. A whole, yeah, a whole new medium. Mm-hmm. And um, so... <sighs> I think if we're going in, in uh, chronological order, it's time to start talking about uh, the other children of Kong, the unofficial children of Kong. Oh, okay. There were, uh, we talked about um, Mighty Joe Young, but in 1961, I think, uh, King Brothers uh, out of England King Brothers, who put up, yeah, who put up the domestic version of Rodan yes. and Gorgo, had another film, Conga, Kong. <laughs> starring Michael Guff. Otherwise known to modern audiences as the Alfred in the uh, Michael Keaton Batman yep. series, and um, Congo was basically uh, mostly a mad scientist story about a guy who injected a, a trained pet chimp mm-hmm. with uh, a serum that he derived out of these carnivorous plants he grew in a greenhouse, and it made the chimp grow into a gorilla, change species. <laughs> uh, it was a pretty decent gorilla suit. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he'd go around kind of like a, you know, Rue Morgue style and uh, murder his enemies. Mm-hmm. But then uh, there was, was an uh, overdose of the serum, and the gorilla grew giant and attacks London and kidnaps his uh, his creator. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, a giant gorilla runs through the city with the military shooting yeah. at it. So, uh, yeah. So, Conga, that was another childhood <laughs> favorite of mine. Which was the command. Which, by the way, lost. I mean, King Brothers famously did another movie called Gorgo. Yeah, that was it. So, 
I'm shocked they never they never bought Conga versus like, Gorgo. Gorgo. That would have like, been fantastic. It would have made sense too. It's yeah. like here's our version. Let's do it. Yeah. Because look, out of all the look of all the homage movies, we'll just call them that. I think Conga probably held the you know held the test of time as one of the better ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, it depends on who you ask. My 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 brother thinks that he thinks it's a decent film, but he thinks the film went downhill once the gorilla turned giant. Mm-hmm. I, I, I beg to differ. It's like it was the exact opposite. Yeah. And now that famously, famously, Steve Ditko. Did a wonderful uh, uh, line for was it Charleston or was it Key? Uh, Charleston. Charleston. Uh, he did like twenty five issues of Gorgo. Gorgo, and he did Con- he did a conga like there was a short conga. It's short, yeah. There was a few issues of conga. There was a special giant size uh, edition called Fantastic Giants, and which I, had know, Gorgo and conga stories. Yeah, I think I think he did one where he I, at least he did a piece where Gorgo was fighting conga. I would love to see that. Yeah, I think I I could swear I saw that as a kid because my hmm. dad gave me all those books because he's like. Nobody wants these things. Here you go. But wow. it's Steve Ditko. I want you to yeah, know who Steve, Steve Ditko, Ditko is. Yes, Spider-Man uh, artist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, see, also in the 60s, we had uh, the very influential King Kong cartoon. Oh, the Ranklin Bass one. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Yeah, Rankin Bass and uh, Toy Animation, I believe. Yep. And not only that, but that's the first appearance of Mechanic Kong. Yes, Doctor Who was a villain in that. Because mm-hmm. it, it, it's not common knowledge that King Kong Escapes is actually just a live-action adaptation of a cartoon. Yeah, which is, but it always boggled my mind. It's like, well, if you're going to do that, why didn't you put like the actual character? It's like when they made the He-Man movie. It's like we didn't have Orko and half the other characters. Yeah, what the hell was we that? We created all these <laughs> new characters for it. Yeah, no, it's a weird mentality back then. I understand like Toho's like, we're just kind of making this our own thing. But Ranklin Bass is at the time, they're like, well, can you leave some elements of the show, you know, in here? But uh, the series is great. Predates the, uh, in, uh, the uh, actually, uh, quick, the uh, little anointment. The um, the voice of the, the boy is mm-hmm. actually Rudolph. Yeah, B- Billy, uh, and also Kimba. Yeah, I forgot her name. She died like four years ago, but yeah. she lived to like 96, though. Yeah. So very strong. I got to meet her. Billy one time at, Yeah, I got to meet her one time at Comic Con, and just like I told her, it's like Rudolph is my absolute favorite holiday thing of all times. Like, oh, thank you. Yeah, I recognize her voice in, in so many other, <laughs> so many other projects as well. But uh, yeah, but call it like uh, Astro Boy as well. Yes, as much as I don't, I don't know. Did, would you see in our circle thing like King Kong Escapes gets its just due or not? Like I think there's people who absolutely love that film. I I am one of its absolute yeah. fans. I, I I used to get so excited seeing in TV Guide when I was a kid that King Kong Escapes mm-hmm. was going to be on. I I absolutely love King Kong. Escapes. In many aspects, I think up until Legendary, I think Toho captures the perfect essence of what made a fun Kong film. And not only did they do it Toho style, but they they pretty much got they're like, look, we're on an island. There's monsters here. Where it's a big pulpy adventure, like that's pretty much what you had to go because that's I, I I never understood when like so out of what the eight or nine Kong films that exist, at least three or four of them are remakes of the original one yeah. in many aspects. And I never understood like the need to retell that tale over and over again. It's just like there's so much potential here. You could do many more. Like total pretty much showed you it's like yeah. We don't need to set up anything. You just need the elements. You need a blonde girl. You need Kong, and you need something for him to kind of like rage against. <laughs> and it, it works perfectly. Like, well, he'll fight a giant silver sea snake that's eh, 
kind of a lame puppet. But they will have him fight Gorosaurus in it, which, which is a beautiful suit. Yes. And then Mechani Kong predates Mechagodzilla in an awesome fight. And they, they're like, well, we don't have an Empire State Building, but we got Tokyo Tower. They can climb that and beat the crap out of each other with that. <laughs> yeah, I, that, oh, I love King. When I finally saw him, I'm like, yes, this movie is amazing. But no, I, I'm also pretty... Now, okay, if you listen to this podcast and you're familiar with one things, uh, some of the things that I'm interested in is our obscure fan works obscure independent productions here's a couple of things that fall under this uh, uh, chronologically we skipped over one of the very first remakes of the original Kong mm. uh, Tor oh yeah Don Glutz Tor. Tor yeah and also Son of Tor which was mm-hmm. a Son of Kong remake uh, which also featured Godzilla mm-hmm. and Gorgo and a lot of other uh, the Redosaurus. Yeah, yeah. And so if uh, yeah, if you want to check those out, uh, there's a DVD. I was a teenage. It's on Amazon Prime. Yeah, some of the Amazon Prime. Yeah, I was both, a teenage movie maker. All the special features and the actual. All the special features on yeah, Prime as well. Two Fantastic. Things, yeah. yeah. If you have Amazon Prime. Look up. I was a teenage filmmaker. Uh, it's the documentary about Don Glute and all his independent films he did. I mean, Don Glute is the father of the fan films, as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned. Uh, I mean, the only other earlier ones was a couple of Tarzan ones and the Little Rascal scam that happened in the 30s and 40s. <laughs> but um, his films are amazing, you know, and he's still prolific to this day. He's coming out with a new Frankenstein film. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Tales of Frankenstein, based on his uh, his uh, books that that he wrote. Yeah, get that guy on. Yeah, he's 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 amazing. Uh, and then also another very very obscure one in 1966, there was another stop motion mm-hmm. Kong. It was Kong with mm-hmm. an exclamation at the end by a film filmmaker named Ken Dixon. Mm-hmm. Uh, supposedly, I've seen a few stills from it. Supposedly, it was a uh, I would say like Jim Danforth style mm-hmm. Kong, and uh, it's basically his recreation, mm-hmm. his young filmmaker of of Kong, and uh, that's one I would love to track down. And then we had King Kong Escapes, and then, then the cartoon, and the cartoon, and then in the, when the seventies rolled around, you know, we had the aforementioned dueling Kong projects from mm-hmm. Universal and Paramount. Yeah, Paramount's version was actually the one that released. The Dino De Laurentiis one. Yeah, the Dino De Laurentiis version. Who famously uh, said, you know, everyone loved the original Kong movie, but no one cried when my monkey died. <laughs> that was a direct quote from the man. Yeah. Now, let, let's a little talk a little about the 76 Kong, because that, that one, mm-hmm. you know, people still remember it to this day. A lot of people talk about it with derision and disappointment. I think, okay, the, the disappointing thing. Mm-hmm. There weren't dinosaurs. In it. No, there. Yeah, there it was a else. it was a barren island. Yeah, but as far as atmosphere and stuff, I, I think it was great. I, I think what it did, mm-hmm. it successfully updated Kong to then contemporary uh, America. Yeah, so there's the subplot about trying to find oil and everything. Yes, like that. yeah. Instead of the, there was the OPEC crisis going on at that point. Yeah, and you know, and with mod, you know helicopters shooting him down off the Empire. I mean, off the World Trade Center. Mm-hmm. Versus biplanes off the Empire State. I, I thought for the most part it succeeded. I really enjoyed it. There's what you know, we've talked about, you know, and of course other people talked about it ad nauseum. What were your takes on the 76 King Kong? So I watched it, I think it was the first time I was like 12 years old because it came on TV. Um, 
I remember just much like many people, I'm like, this is a long movie. There's not a lot going on here. I will say this though, especially I've gone back and watched it at least twice since then. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a much greater appreciation. There, there is some great moments and there's some great atmospheric moments, especially. Yes. The Kong suit is amazing. Yes. Because it's Rick. Is Rick? That was Rick one of Rick Baker. Baker's earliest things, wasn't he, it? He was in the suit. And he was in the dance. Yeah. So right there, he's just like, I'm doing this right. I'm doing it yeah. wrong. So it, that does seem it's a it's Jeff Bridges' first film. I'm a huge Jeff Bridges fan. Yes. Uh, it's got a great cast. Uh, but yeah, yeah. All, yeah, also also uh, it's Charles Rowan, Jessica Lange. Yeah, it's her first, first film, film too. Yeah. So yeah, so there's I mean there's a lot to like in it, but there's it, the problem is much like um, Jackson's film in many regards is a little too long. Like there's a lot of like dragging going on, especially when they're on the island trying to save Jessica Lange. Like there's there's some great moments, especially with the the giant puppet when he's like poking around at us yeah. and stuff like that. There's a lot of those things. The snake fight is kind of cool. But I wish there was more of it. Yeah, I really wish there was more of that. Like, it's like, I, I don't understand why you couldn't, like, if this thing's living here and you have a giant snake, why, the, there's got to be something else. Yeah. So, I mean, it, 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 and the whole film really pretty much is the, the final act. So, yes. him climbing the, the yeah. Empire State Building, her, you know, crying as the helicopters are blowing, and he's holding on to the edge. And she's like trying to keep him from falling when he does fall. Like there, there's a lot of there's a lot of good in there, but it's just it seems like there was a there's also a lot of missed opportunity. Like, yeah, it, it feels like it's like it, it feels like what uh, a lot of films nowadays do. It's like what's the core thing and what can we focus on? It's like you kind of missing the point of these. Like these were adventures. Like, all the stuff of what you would consider fluff, like putting the dinosaurs and stuff in there. That what is what makes it like half the adventure is Kong beating up on something before he's taken out of his element. You see why he's king of this island. The reason he's king of this island is he's the literally the biggest thing walking around. So there's no reason for anybody else to challenge that. That's why he's King Kong. That's the only reason he's King Kong there. King Kong escapes or King Kong lives on the other hand with the <laughs> opposite direction. They're like, all right, it's a 90 minute movie. Uh, once again, Rick Baker's back, and they have a Lady Kong, so you're expanding on the mythology. It's like, okay, so there's more than one of these creatures running around. Uh, the wacky, schmacky do uh, like subplot of giving him an artificial heart. <laughs> yeah. And the reason why they need the Lady Kong was for a blood transfusion. I'm just like, whoa, this is, this is kind of crazy. I think King Kong lives out of all of the Kong films. Is by far the most preposterous. It is much more so than building a giant mechanical ape. Very much, much so. more so. <laughs> like, we're trying to save this creature by giving it a heart and transplant. Yeah. What you're doing? What? What is this whole thing? And pretty much becomes like a weird love story. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, and like you were saying before, this that concept of Kong surviving his fall off the world face center yeah. is directly taken from uh, Kong versus Frankenstein. Very much so. And yeah, they, look, King Kong Lives has the, they they up the Kong action, and it's a lot. It's it's got a lot more fun moments than the than the original than the, yeah. the predecessor. But at the same time, you're watching like, oh, a ten years too late. Cause it was eight, 76 to eighty six. Yeah. So I'm just like, why did you wait so long? And second of all, it's like this is where you decided to go. Like, yeah, it was very disappointing. This is a wacky. Movie. I love King Kong. I love the movies. I mean. Like I told you before, as a child, I was waiting with bated breath mm-hmm. for the 76 film. My dad took me to see it mm-hmm. at a theater in Huntington Park, January 1st, 1977. Wow. So it had only been out of like a week. Mm-hmm. And, uh. Um, it was a big Christmas release, right? Yeah. 
And we, so I remember seeing it and I loved it. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, where are the other dinosaurs? Yeah. But that was my only complaint. This is, this is a six-year-old. Yeah. But I still loved the movie. When King Kong Lives rolled around 86, I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And I saw the previews and I thought, this looks really stupid. I actually didn't. I actually didn't see it until about six or seven years later mm. on VHS. I rented it. And I thought, okay, there's a reason I didn't see this. Yeah, there's a reason. Oh, excuse me. There's a reason it bombed. Yeah. And unfortunately, because it was Linda Hamilton coming off freaking Terminator of all things. It's like <laughs> I'm literally one of the biggest actresses in the world right now because of this film. I am choosing King Kong Lives as my follow-up. It's like, why? Like what? I got like I've heard stories that there the film originally went a different direction and there was changes. I'm, I can't tell you. I can't. Yeah, I haven't. Confirm. I've heard. I've heard tales like even Rick Baker kind of disowns that film to an extent. Yeah, uh, out of all the Kong films, I mean, I know the. I haven't even bothered to look up the you know behind the scenes of that movie. No, while we're on the subject of the mm-hmm. dealer rents Kong, before we move on, there's one last thing I want to bring up about the '76 version. Yeah. And I want your opinion on this. Okay. The the end of it always confused me because throughout the, throughout the movie, Duan, mm-hmm. uh, Jessica Lange's character, no, she's the Fay Ray mm-hmm. uh, stand-in for that film. But at the end, you know, when Kong falls off and he's you know dead on the floor, uh, you know, on the ground outside mm-hmm. the World Trade Center, and all the reporters come, they're mobbing Kong's corpse. You know, they're standing on top of him taking pictures, and that was actually kind of cool. Yeah, I that. and Duan runs out, and she's mobbed by by the reporters. Mm-hmm. Jeff Goldblum, not Jeff Goldblum, uh, <laughs> Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges' character. He comes out, you know, to help her, and he stops. And she's carrying on histrionically, and they're taking pictures of her. And he stops her, and they're like backs off. And that's where it leaves off. It's kind of like, is she like putting on an act? You know, to help her career, and he mm-hmm. finally he sees this, like, oh my god! You know, I never really she's, heard it that she's way. She's not being sincere. Yeah, it, you she's know, milking this. It might, you know, it might be that it, it does because she was an actress. Up, yeah, it does match up with the um. The, there is a little bit of cynicism with that film too. Yeah, definitely. Especially you know, nineteen seventies movie. Yeah, especially with the as the with the oil, especially with the oil supply yes. in it. like they're just it, that's one whole like fu opec like the yeah. whole thing especially how the government handled all that stuff but yeah like you know there's almost like a, a fame effing at that that really does come off that, that it, i never really thought of that way because i i don't i haven't gone back and watched it in a while but yeah i can definitely see that like i, I watch oh, yeah, that i watch that movie about every year and Every time I, I see it, there's more and more into it. I, I because they didn't really build it too well. Yeah, so they didn't really pay off to it. Yeah. There might have been some. There might have been some deleted. Delete, scenes yeah, out that's what I'm thinking. Deleted yeah. scenes that, that further explain that. I mean, that was the case in 1941. Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw it in the theater when it came out, but the, the, the director's coming out years later. The, the movie made so much more sense. Mm-hmm. But getting back to King Kong, it's I've always been fascinated with that ending. It's like he's obviously like, oh my god, like yeah. a realization, like. It's like I'm trying to help this terrible person. This yeah, and, and and the thing is, throughout the film, she doesn't seem that way. She seems very sincere. Mm-hmm. You no, know? and th- that leaves a lot up in the air. It's like, okay, is she really that way? But she's like, well, here's my opportunity. Or, yeah, they kind of I have the world. Yeah, I have the world looking. Yeah, yeah, and that's interesting. Because you know? it, it was very much a foresight to today's celebrity too. It's yeah, our celebrity for the sake of being a celebrity. Exactly. It's it, and and you made a great point. You know, they switched up and and. Internalized Carl Denham into her. Mm-hmm. 
You know, it's like, here's my big moment. The world is looking at me right now. I'm going to put on the performance of my life. Mm-hmm. Oh, Kong. And, yeah. you know, and for the first time, you know, he sees, you know, Jack sees that. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, oh, he, he stops. He's like, and he this takes whole thing this. was for not. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, you know that's that is very interesting. I never really considered it that way, but the way you laid out like that, yeah, that does make sense. Yeah, I, I'd have to go look into it a little more. Yeah, I, yeah, everyone, everyone, yeah, I've been wanting to read up more on that too to see if is anything's been written about it. Because mm-hmm. yeah, I know it's a, a you know a much derided and then ignored film as far as uh, you know. Everly. Well, hey, look, a scant like four years later, Daniel Deleuze will produce what is considered the greatest eighties action film of all time. Conan the Barbarian. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he made, well, they made up for it, too. Yeah. But anyway, okay, so like, we have King Kong Lives. And, and then it'd be a good, well, 95. So another 10 years later, that was when Peter Jackson was championing Universal. It's like, hey, we have all this awesome updated technology now. Like, Jurassic Park was in the minds of everyone. Universal mm-hmm. was coming off Jurassic Park, which a lot of people said, this is the spiritual predecessor to King Kong in many aspects. Yeah. Because they gave you that sense of wonderment when you saw it. And like, believe me, if you weren't alive when Jurassic Park came out, you have no goddamn I clue how a, big that movie was. I saw it on opening night at the Universal City Walk Theater, and I wasn't disappointed. And and that one scene, what they yeah. got behind that gate, King yeah. Kong. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I was <laughs> eight years old. In my mind, like, my mind was shattered and reconfigured, like, in many aspects by that movie. Yeah. So, um,. But yeah, Peter Jackson very much was championing because he had done. He was coming off of. He was coming off of uh, um, Heavenly Creatures, and then he was go, like he got a deal with with Universal, and the, he, the Universal had the rights to Kong. He's like, let me do Kong. Like can, we can do it like Jurassic Park, because at the point TriStar was trying to push Godzilla. They're like, yeah. they're going to do Godzilla. We can do King Kong. And like, all right, let's draft a Kong script. Let's do it. And he was smart by, by being yeah. dropping Jurassic Park. Oh, that just made a lot of money for us. Yeah, exactly. So that got their attention. And so he didn't, like, after, I think once Godzilla fell through, then Universal got real shaky. Like, um, let's wait, because we're not going to spend $125 million on this film yet. Because at that point, no one spent that kind of money yet on those films. The, the first movie that hit, like, $100 million, which was uh, Waterworld, tanked. And that was another Universal property. So they're real, they're real shaky leg about that stuff. So Peter Jackson ended up making uh, Frighteners, and then he went famously went on. He got the job to make Lord of the Rings, and Lord of the Rings allowed him to finally scratch the itch he always wanted to. The second he got off Lord of the Rings, he went right to work on King Kong. Yeah. And he rewrote that script. He... Did everything he wanted to do, but in many, I mean, look, I, I, there's the first time I saw footage from that Kong film was Comic Con 2005. It's the first time Peter Jackson showed up. Well, he didn't show up. He, he brought, he sent, he like the cast was there because Jack Black was there to perform for the Tenacious D movie they were filming. So he was going to be the emissary, and they had uh, Naomi Watts, and then he sent a video, and he even says, "Ah, oh, I can't wait." He's like, oh, "This is I've been waiting my whole life to do this kind of film." Like I, you know, it's like Kong. I've lived and breathed Kong, so. It's like, you're, you're going to see the very first footage of King Kong anywhere else. And the footage they showed us was the T-Rex fight. Oh, wow. Yeah, he says, he's like, so, he's like, here's, so in the first movie, Kong fights one T-Rex, so how do we up it? So in this movie, he's going to fight three T-Rexes. And I'm just like, what? And I mind you, I've been sitting in hall, this was like the second year of Hall H. I've been sitting in this hall since 8 a, or 9 a.m. because I wanted to see the Tenacious D concert at the end of the day. So I got in there, and I parked. And there was a lot of stuff. And that Kong thing was the icing on top of this cake. 
And they're like, okay, we're going to roll the footage. And he even says, he's like, it's not 100% done. There's going to be, uh, you know, there's going to be un- unfinished effect shots. But for the most part, you're going to get the gist of it. And that whole seven-minute sequence, so it went directly from the point where the she's trying to run and the mm-hmm. T-Rex kind of pops up and starts to grab her and Kong leaps yeah. out of the thing. I'm just like, my like my, like my buddy Sergio was sitting next to me and he, he's like, after the whole thing is done, he's like, Dude, are you crying? I'm like, a little bit, man. Like, cause I'm just, like, dude, dude, like, did you just not see that? Because 6,000 people, when that whole sequence ended, and then when Kong broke the T-Rex's, uh, jaw, and he did the little, the little, yeah. like, flap thing, pe- people erupted. That hall erupted. And I'm just like, I just like, oh my god, I can't, dude, he fucking did it. Like, he, he made Lord of the Rings thing, and now he's, like I couldn't wait for that. And then when I finally sat there and watched him, I'm just like, oh, yeah, you did it. You did. You did a good job. Like I enjoy his King Kong movie, but there's also points we, you know, we off, off, off. Tell we were talking about M Night Shyamalan. What happens to a director when you get too self indulgent? And King Kong suffers from that just a little bit because I'm like, you took a 90 minute film and made it three hours long. <laughs> yeah. I understand it. I understand this is the this is the itch you had to scratch. You love King Kong, and look, we all love King Kong, and you did a pretty good King Kong. But it's like, do we need to spend this long here? Like that's my my only complaint with that film is just it's like you could have chopped out two thirds of this film and it would have been a great film. Like uh, two hours, at two hours, it would have been perfect. Yeah, what one? Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, one of the tough things for filmmakers, especially when they put that much blood and sweat into mm-hmm. everything. Is to edit down their project. Yeah, and I think Jackson he needed to edit it down a bit more. Yeah. Oh no! When he released that extended cut too, <laughs> he's like, "Lord, work on Lord of the Rings. Let's do the stuff that we have." I, I don't. Think, I don't. I haven't seen the extended cut. I own the extended cut. I've only watched the the, the clips. There's a whole like uh, like Ethiosaur like crocodile sequence in the swamp, and they're cro- they redid the swamp crossing. Yes. Uh, there's that. There's the Nichtosaur versus the Brontosaur. Yeah. There's. Um, there, there's like two or three others, and there's like an extended sequence of Kong fighting the bats too. Oh. So there's, there's, there's. It's not. To, it, to pull that up. And it's not like a, a, a huge amount of material, but it, it does pad it out. It, it, but it's not like the same thing like the Lord of the Ring cuts, where it's like this is stuff that needed to be here. This yeah. is like this is stuff I refuse. I didn't want to cut out, but I had to cut it out. So there you go. <coughs> yeah. The, uh, when I first saw it in the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, also, real quick, let me get your opinion. Prefer Kong standing, or did you like the gorilla, like he a full being a full silverback style gorilla, where he was uh, kind of on his knuckles the whole time? Personally, I like a bipedal Kong, mm-hmm. but however, mm-hmm. growing up, you know, after seeing the thirty three and uh, seventy six Kongs, mm-hmm. I would think to myself, what would a King Kong look like if it looked like an actual real gorilla? Mm-hmm. Well, Peter Jackson answered that question. Yeah. Thank you for showing me. I don't want to see, see it again. again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, but yeah, okay, yeah. cool. But, but it was cool for what it was. Yeah. Uh, it was overblown in some places, but for the most part, I enjoyed it. The one thing that ruined it for me, mm-hmm. and this is this is funny, we always nitpick on something stupid. Yeah. And for most people, this will be stupid, but mm-hmm. for me, I guess just like, Oh come on, that is so freaking cliche. Well, can I can I can I take a guess? Yes. Is it the ice skating sequence? Everybody hates that sequence. Mm-hmm. That didn't bother me that much. Okay. You know what it was? What? I did like the twist of the Broadway sequence mm-hmm. and refusing to, partic- for, to participate. Mm-hmm. 
but the, the sequence when she reappears, that backlit slow motion, I thought, you got to be freaking kidding me. <laughs> this is such a cliche shot, and you actually did this? It took yeah. me about a good five or two minutes to get over it. I was like, oh, come on. And you know what? I know we're running out of time, but I want to bring up a few things because yeah, I know all these other monster podcasts and people are going to, you know, talk about Kong for the 85th anniversary. But one of the reasons you come to this, this podcast, hopefully, hmm. is because... Diatribes. Uh, our diatribes and our digressions, mm. but hopefully because, uh, like me, you care about crap no one else cares about. <laughs> Let's talk about some other uh, of Kong's legacies that I yeah. doubt, I doubt yeah. any other... Because look, the, the, besides Kong, the only other thing that has... The only other monster that truly has a legacy, American-made, is Jaws. Yeah. Those are the only two. Big Monkey, Big Shark. There are how many how many films have been made out of these two things? And and Ape combined them. Oh yeah. Oh very much so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we didn't we didn't talk about Ape. But, uh, very famously where the monkey gives the uh, gives the finger. Yeah, and wrestles with a dead shark. Mm-hmm. A real dead shark. <laughs> a couple of more we talked about the ninth, the Rankin Best Kong. Mm-hmm. There have been other animated Kongs since. Really? Do you remember Okay, now around the nineties, around the, around the TriStar era of Godzilla, mm-hmm. now there's oh, a big resurgence. Yes, yes, I know which one you're talking about. So yeah, the, the 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 Fox version, along with the with the Godzilla animated series, yeah. Fox also had a Kong animated it was series. Produced by Deke. Deke yes. produced it because I talked to uh, when I talked to Eric Leewald, who created the X Men series. He brought this up. He's like, yeah, we we did Kong. Like he was in charge of Deke for like two years, and like. He's like, Kong was one of the things I wanted to do, so we did that version of Kong. He's like, like you know, I told him, like, I really like that version. He's like, yeah, we wanted to, we didn't want to do just, you know, the jungle. We wanted to add the sci-fi aspect to it. So, like, the idea of, like, Kong and the and the kid having the, the connection, like, they can fuse almost Ultraman style. Yeah. And, like, the kid can influence Kong and Kong can influence the kid. Yeah, like that whole that whole well, that, what, that series was wonderful. I saw one episode of it. It was was that dude? Wasn't it some kind of electronic device that allowed it was, that? It was. It was. It was a device the kid had on, and the bad guy had one too. Uh-huh. So uh, what it was, it was like a digitizer kind of thing. So he mm-hmm. kept it by his ear, and so if they needed to transport Kong somewhere, so if it got around a lot of like, oh, how do we transport a like twenty ton ape? It's like, oh no, he can go into this thing like a pokeball. And then when I need to, when I'm done, I can release him. But he would kind of live in his head for a minute. So when the kid had Kong in him, like Kong, he would have like little Kong as like little facial features and stuff. Where Kong would show up and his eyes would like change color, and like he'd be like real like aggressive and stuff. And then when the kid would go into Kong, he'd help Kong fight the monsters. Like he's like, okay, we need to strategize. So here's what we need to do: drift compatible. Yeah, they, it very much they were drift compatible. <laughs> and the bad guy, the bad guy, they were constantly fighting because it was very. It was very uh, Hanna Barbera Godzilla esque in that. In yes, the, in the, I saw that crew, immediately. They had a crew, they had a boat, and they were con- but much like the American Godzilla, like the TriStar series, they yes. were going around fighting monsters. Every yeah, week. it was very similar to the to the, to the TriStar uh, Godzilla animated mm-hmm. series in that respect. I'm and shocked Matt Frank has not done a mashup uh, picture of these two yet. That would be that would be it something. Would be going, have to send it to or the, those two. Yeah. Uh, well, what was the, the the ship called in the Godzilla animated series? It was the uh, was it the the Calico. The Calico was the original Hanna Barbera. Okay. Yeah. Oh no! In the uh, oh oh the Heat Seeker. The Heat, the heat Seeker. Seeker yeah. Yes. The Seeker. Yeah. Um, those two plus the Kong ship mm-hmm. all meeting together. And okay, that was like ninety eight or so. Yeah. And they had a movie. They made a movie too to cap up wrap up the series. 
Oh, they did? Yeah, they did. Wow. They did like a 90-minute movie to wrap up the, the, the series. And that wasn't the only animated Kong in 1998. Mm-mm. Do you remember the Mighty Kong? I do. The, the, it, the it musical was the version. That tanked the whole studio, too. <laughs> what studio is that? It was this small animation house. I think they did... Catstone Dance or something? Yeah, I think it was one of those. They did one. They did a couple like very Don Bluthian-looking films. Mm-hmm. And then they did this. And they were like, big theatrical release, and... It tanked. I had no idea it was released at the end. The first time I ever saw it was at the video rental store by mm-hmm. my house. And I thought, what? Another animated comic? The only reason I knew it was released in theaters because the LA Times, mm-hmm. I would look at the movie section all the time, and at the Lemley Playhouse up in Pasadena, they played it for one week. Wow. Yeah. So that's how I knew it. I'm like, because they had a little picture. It's like exclusive to the Lemley. And I, from what I heard, no one showed up at the Lemley for that week to watch it. Had I known, I probably would have been the only one there. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, so th- there was that animated Kong. Mm-hmm. And then just a few years ago, Netflix had an animated Kong. Avi Arad, the man who's responsible for the modern Marvel that we have now. That was he, him. That was him. He produced the show. Because when he, after Marvel Studios came up, because a lot of people don't remember this, like he's responsible for Iron Man. Like, mm-hmm. as much as you want to shit on him for, like, ah, oh, you ruined Spider-Man and stuff, like, no, 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 he, Afterrod has, you, much like the, the, the aforementioned Sampo, who mm-hmm. loves Ultraman, but gets flack for what he did, Afterrod gets a lot of flack for, for how he's, you know, pushed through a lot of these projects, especially the Amazing Spider-Man, yeah. but he has passionate love for these characters. He doesn't want, he's like, I don't want to make a crap movie, like, I want to make good movies. And he has a deal with Netflix. He's like, we're going to do a Kong film. We're going to do a CG Kong series. I watched the first pilot, and it was very hard to get through. Like, really? it's very much a kid show. Yeah. And not like a good kid show, because I'm a cartoon aficionado. Yes. And I can sit through a lot of crap. I can sit through this. I'm just like, <laughs> oh. this is... Because I was expecting something in the vein of that 90s series. Like, yeah, that's what it, it looked, looked like. like. Yeah. Because that, that initial image of Kong on a bridge... Fighting a robotic that, T-Rex. A robotic T-Rex shooting yeah. lasers. Yeah, I'm like, thought, oh, yeah, oh, it's that looks pretty cool. Yeah, I'm like, I'm sold. I'm there. And when I sat there and watched it, it suffers from people who write kid cartoons who think this is how kids act and think. Like, yeah. it's real. The dialogue's dumbed down. Like, the animation's not that great. Like, for, especially with the CG, like, it's really... There's not like the... Really? The scene. Like, it's, it's kind is of... Is it still on Netflix? It's still on Netflix. Anything Netflix buys... It stays there, so it's on there. I'll have to pull it up and give it a watch. Yeah, you can like you can go. I, I skipped ahead. I pulled up one or two like the minor like the separate episodes. The first the first episode is ninety minutes. Oh, because it's a whole pilot. pilot. Yeah. yeah, but the rest are like twenty two minutes, and there's I think forty episodes of this thing. That many? Yes. Wow. Yeah, they commissioned a lot. So uh, yeah, I couldn't. I just couldn't bring myself. I'm like, I got other things I could be watching right now. Like, look, Netflix. Yeah. They, they commissioned Voltron. As far as I'm concerned, they have my money for the rest of my life because yeah. that show is a work of art. And if She-Ra, the she revivals anything like it, I'm like, yeah, just keep They're bringing back it. She-Ra? They're bringing back She-Ra. Same, same studio that Nef- did Voltron. Netflix? Netflix is bringing back She-Ra. Huh. So I think they're testing the waters because that He-Man movie keeps failing to get off the ground. And with the whole like girl power movement that's going on right now, it's yeah. like we got this. We could bring She-Ra back. So oh yeah, they'll capitalize on the whole Wonder Woman. Thing. Yeah, if they do She-Ra like they did Voltron, if they don't do She-Ra where it's talking down on the girls and it's CG and stuff, I think it would be a hit. I think yeah. it would it would connect with a lot because there's a lot of girls that watch that Voltron show. You'd be so shocked how many girls watch that Voltron show. Well, I mean, I mean, just fandom now. It's it's mm-hmm. you know it's. It's not just no nerdy guys, you know. Yeah. It's it's everyone now. The, the fandom is mainstream, and mm-hmm. and what Marvel has proved is that 
if you don't treat your audience with contempt, yes, the, the films will be successful. Very much so. You know, I, you know, DC learned that the hard way. Mm-hmm. You know, what DC that theatrical needs to learn is, hey, hire your writers from the TV shows and the animated, yes. animated movies. They if, know what's yeah. going on. If they had Greg Berlanti and um, they had Greg Berlanti and uh, the, Paul Dini and uh, Paul Dini, yeah, yeah, they had those two and not uh, just all those guys. They have the entire crew that worked on Justice League Unlimited, the Sands, the the late great Dwayne McDuffie's, and all yeah. with us. They would be knocking out the park. Look, to my in my opinion. None of the DC, and I love all the DC movies that have been out so far, but mm-hmm. like they still don't compare to like the second last episode of Justice League Unlimited mm-hmm. when Flash takes on Luther, the combined Luther Brainiac, mm-hmm. in one of the greatest moments ever put because it's like Luther's like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna fight me? You're the Flash, and it's Wally, it's the Wally West Flash. He yeah. bolts in the opposite direction, and Luther's like, ah, all right, let's get back to murdering. Yeah, and all of a sudden you hear this. Like you hear the sound, and all of a sudden Luther just goes. You don't see what hit him, and Luther goes flying, but the half the Brainiac armor is off him, and he's like, "What the hell?" And he looks in the opposite direction, and you see this this ball coming at him, and it cuts and it cuts close. And it's Wally, and he's just going as fast as he can. And he slams right into Luther, and then you see him like he starts going. And he starts hitting like the speed of light where he expands, and they show him cutting across the world. Like he's literally like it's. Flashing before him, like how fast he's going, like he's running across the oceans and stuff, and this music, wonderful music playing, and Luther is getting his ass handed to him by Flash, just using his body like a battering ram and destroying him. Oh my God, it's amazing. Nothing, a Marvel movie, in my opinion, has not touched what those guys did. It was Joaquin Dos Santos that directed that episode. He's he's the co-showrunner of uh, the new Voltron, and it was written by Dwayne McDuffie. It is, without a doubt, the personification of everything anybody loves about comic books put onto a moving piece of animation. I mean, yeah, I mean, the best DC stuff I've seen, personally, mm. has been animated. I mean, uh, it, it always is. It I never, mean, it's can, never can, can, you, can you imagine a major <clears throat> Batman motion picture of Heart of Ice? I... It, it it would make him it would make a billion dollars. Yeah. That's all anybody wants out of that Batman. Like I, I think Affleck's a great Batman. I don't think people were giving him shit. Back. I have no problem with that. He's like done great. Like he's done great. I think it's just a matter of they don't. They're not. They. It's the people in charge. I much like the in the nineties. He's put he's put into underwhelming movies and also movies. If you did you ever make a standalone Affleck Batman, I think it would do a lot better. The thing is, he's. Not the main focus. Mm-hmm. You know, any in any any deficits of the film, mm-hmm. people are going to project onto him. Yeah, and I think that's what's happening. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But no, I think he's a great Batman, and I think he understands the character. Like he gets yeah. it. Like the the I love his the the Snyder version of Batman so far. I've I've thoroughly enjoyed. And I think what they do when they do do the standalone, it's like look at the animated series that. That captures everything. Like people hold Mask of the Phantasm so high for that very reason, because yeah. there's like everybody that worked on that got it. They was like, this is how you boil down Batman to its essential essence, and it makes everything great about Batman. Yeah, I think he's certainly a better Batman than Christian Bale. In many aspects, yeah, I, yeah. I'll say that too. I, like, I love those films. I love Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. I hate his Batman. Yeah, Affleck's got both. He's a great yeah. Bruce and he's a great Batman. But you know, which which kind of brings us around to back to Kong. It's like because I think. You know, it took forever, but I, you know, legendary when they finally got the rights to Kong, which Thomas told that again, many people, Thomas told that's his all time favorite. That's the yeah. only reason 
He got out of the stock market game. Yeah. He got into movies. He's like, I want to make a King Kong movie one day. I want to make a Godzilla movie one day. And I want to see these two fight one day. That's the only reason he did it. When that whole deal went down. Mm-hmm. Oh, Legendary has acquired Kong. Mm-hmm. Of course, they had all the fandom. Oh my God, they own them both. Is yeah. it? And I was amazing. I, I, I was amazing. I, I was too. Yeah. Because I refused to believe. It. I was like, yeah. I was like, that'd be wonderful. It's not, not going to happen because it's it, because they said Universal's got it. Yeah, Toho has to say yes. Like there was all this assumptions. Like it's not going to happen, guys. It's not. And then when the the weird like when the the when Legendary is picking up shop and moving out of Universal out of Warner Bros. Like oh, this is definitely not going to happen now. Like yeah. f- hell, we might even see this Kong film. And then when they announced like oh, yeah, not only are we doing Kong because there was like a year delay of it going into production. Yeah. It's like, we're doing it. And then the script lease came out. It's like, Monarch is a part of it. I'm like, what? What, what, what are you doing? And then Legendary Flat came out. It's like, so yeah, uh, four years from now, Kong and Godzilla are going to meet whether or not this Kong movie is going to do good or not. Like, we're pushing forward. So Godzilla is perfect enough. We expect Kong, if it just breaks this amount, we're, gonna, we're doing this no matter what. Like, Thomas Toll said, hell be damned. I will put my fortune all into this. This is before he sold off to the Wanda group, too. I mean, like, this yeah. was his, like, he's like, I'm culminating everything I've always ever wanted to do. So, and I think that Kong film, out of, and even my non-monster movie fans, when, like, my, my buddy Charles, when he watched, he watched Godzilla, he's like, it's kind of boring. Yeah. I'm like, eh, all right, I'll give you that. But I'm like, what do you think of Kong? He's like, I love Kong. Kong, oh, yeah. Kong's great. It's like, that's great. what that's what they need to be doing. Yeah. I think much like, uh, you know, where Marvel messed up, uh, they, they tripped up on uh, Iron Man 2. We're like, okay, we're kind of getting too deep down into our own kind of our nonsense here. And then they brought it back at, with, like, Captain America and yes, Thor. Yes, yes. Like, I think that's where Legend, I think Legendary looked at Kong and they're like, this is the direction we need to be going. These movies need to be big, boastful, and fun. Yeah, and that's that's the, the, what's going to draw everybody in. Yeah, the studios are realizing the whole dark and gritty uh, uh, kind of moving fad. Away yeah. yeah, it's I like, still would love fun. to see like a super serious Godzilla film one day done with oh, those effects. Oh yeah, but you especially know, with that 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 um, the, uh, the the teaser trailer promised. Yes. But, yeah, I mean, you know, but and, but like we've talked to, like we've said many times before mm-hmm. on this podcast. You know, we don't like a Godzilla film. There'll be another one in a few years. Exactly. It'll be completely different. Yeah. You know, so we we may yet see that within our lifetime. But as far as the Congress of Godzilla thing coming out, mm-hmm. ever since TriStar, even before when they announced the TriStar mm-hmm. thing, once Yandabont was removed from the project, mm-hmm. I have approached all of these projects with extreme caution mm-hmm. because me once, shame on you. Yeah, uh, I hate to be right. Mm-hmm. I know it's going to suck, and I want to be proven wrong. Please yeah. prove me wrong. I hate to be right. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I mean, we never talked when we reviewed Skull Island. What What were you, you know, when you saw that those trailers? What were you thinking going into them? I, I, I it was cautious optimism. Mm-hmm. I'm like, could they have actually made a good movie? It looks good. Yeah, it looks good. And when I saw it in mm-hmm. the theater. I had the same feeling in my heart mm-hmm. as when I watched King Kong Escapes. Mm-hmm. I thought they got it. Yes, they got it. And then with the end thing, please keep up this damn momentum, yeah. and this movie will be good. Yeah, I, it's like I don't want to say it'll be good. I don't want to hope it. No, I hope it will, but yeah. I don't want to expect it to be good. Mm-hmm. But just please be good. Yeah, you know, it's. Like, I mean, it, it, I mean, it's definitely interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they do with it. 
you know, they're, okay, you're stumbling, you're learning your lessons. Uh, hopefully this will all result in a fantastic matchup in 2020. I hope so, too. I think, yeah, dude, I, look, I was the first guy to say, like, when they announced, like, Gareth Edwards is going to direct all three of our trilogies. Like, uh, no, that's a bad idea. Yeah. I, look, I'm not a fan of any one director unless it's something he created or she created. Yeah. To be on board. Like, Nolan, clearly, like, for his Batmans, he's like, I'm, these, these are my Batmans. I'm yeah. telling this particular story. Like, like Legendary is like, yeah, we'll just keep this going. It's like, no, get different people. Like, le- learn from Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise has always said, different director for each Mission Impossible movie because even though we're kind of keeping the tone, I want it to be, I want it to feel different each time somebody comes and sees it. Yeah. Like, it's not too, straying too far from what it is, but each movie's gonna be, the Harry Potter films were like that. Very much so, yeah. Like, the, you get a different direct. Well, after a while, they're just like, we need to rush into production. So, yeah. <laughs> you get David Yates for like the last three. He's like, just keep making them. Just pump yeah. them out. We'll let you direct your Tarzan movie eventually. Yeah. Which he did. He made a fine Tarzan film, by the way. Which, but which one was that? Who was that? It was the Legend of Tarzan, the one with uh, Stellan Skarsgård and Margot Robbie. Uh, that Came out like a year and a half ago. It's actually, it's a fun Tarzan. It's still not the proper Edgar Riceboro, like, they truly, no one's gotten that deep into that stuff yet where it's like, let's get the eight men in here and let's get the, like, the lizard people and stuff like that. Let's go full pulp with it, but it's pretty close. He fights, he fights a tribe of, uh, of, uh, you know, savages that are dressed in jaguars and stuff like that. You, you know what? You, you bring up a, a, an excellent point here with the Tarzan thing. Mm-hmm. W- with classic properties like Tarzan and Flash Gordon, mm-hmm. I think a lot of studios, they shy away from it because they're like, they're so dated. Yeah. There's no Tarzan and Flash from the 1930s. Mm-hmm. No one's going to buy that in 2018. But you know what? They're, you know, you know, you look at the 79 Flash Gordon and yeah, it's cheesy as fuck, mm-hmm. but that's the way it's supposed to be. You know, Superman the movie was that way in a lot of ways. Yeah. But you know, you can tell, I mean, you can update the stories without pandering or without being ridiculous. And that guess what? That Tarzan movie actually did financially very well for itself. Yeah. And like you're saying, you know, yeah, have those fantastical elements, but you know, a good writer, a, mm-hmm. a good team could really make a, a, an amazing film like that. You know, because I think studios shy away because, you know, you had this, you know, you had the Phantom movie, which yeah. went nowhere. Uh, uh, Will Eisner's Spirit, which was set back then, mm-hmm. you know, went nowhere. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 Alec Baldwin's, uh, the Shadow. Which I do love. I, I thought it did well. It thought, does drag. Yeah. But as far as the shadow parts, when you... Mm-hmm. Be, yeah, I thought... Oh, it's great when he's in the shadow. Yeah, it's like, this is the way he's supposed to look. Yeah. But yeah, the, the, especially even the, even, the, even the early Keaton Batman films, it's like, let's spend less time in the costume and spend a little more time with the people. It's like, they're they're almost afraid to go full bore like what people really want to see. It's like, we want to see, like, we want to see the action stuff. Like, and it took... Took years, but it's like, like, look, Kong Skull Island. By all means, if that was done like ten years ago, no other monsters. It would have just been Kong. It would have been like, yeah, yeah, let's retread this. Instead, they did, they did the perfect, perfect way. It's like, yeah, you, you, none of this crap happened. We're going complete. We're we're starting at a whole new continuity with Kong. Yeah, and and what you know, and of course, it's one thing for the the directors and producers and mm-hmm. writers to have a vision. It's another thing for the studio to give it the green light. But when it comes to the bottom line, they're seeing how much money Marvel is raking in. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, what is Marvel doing right? Yeah. It's, you know. But they're looking at like, oh, here's the gimmick. So let's, let's, let's copy the gimmick. And. Yeah. That's not, that's not what, that's yeah. not what, what yeah, it yeah, all is. Yeah, DC movies are finding that out. It's like, mm-hmm. there's more to it than just copying the formula. Yeah. It's, it's treating, it's treating the stories and characters, you know, with the reverence they deserve. 
and writing scripts that, you know, apply to the characters. Mm -hmm. You know, not just inserting them into a generic story or taking an existing classic story and, like, really neutering it to the point where, you know, it's just, you know, a script by the numbers. Yeah, and you know, then that's the beauty about Kong Skull Island. It did not feel like a script by the numbers. No, it, it, and you know, the beauty was they they and I've I've been stating this ever since I walked out of that, and I watched that movie five times in the theaters. I took my dad, and he What's your dad think. So I, oh, he like and look, I take him to a lot of this stuff, and yeah. he comes out like yeah, like especially the Marvel films, like and I he, didn't like Captain America. Yeah, he, he loves Captain he loves America. Captain America. He didn't like the first Captain America. He enjoyed Captain America too. Yeah. I took him to see Civil War. He says he doesn't remember it. <laughs> so I'm like, I it Black Panthers in it. You love Black Panthers, like, I do, but I don't remember it. I'm like, oh come on. So uh, for his birthday, I'm like, he's like, well, when you I'm like, let's go see Kong Skull Island. It's playing in the second run theaters. It wasn't exactly the greatest setting because yeah. if you ever been in a second run theater, yeah. they're crap houses. But I'm like, we'll go. It's on me. So we went. We sat down. Even with the couple of people talking and stuff like that after a show, them we walked out. I turned him like. So what do you think? He's like, son, I oh, it was so good. It was awesome. I'm like, really? He's like, oh, they don't make them like that anymore. It's like, yeah, he's fighting the monsters and stuff. He looks like Kong from the original. Like, That's how you do it. I'm like, all right, cool. So <coughs> there is something. There's definitely something to that. A 62 year old man walked out. He's like, oh man, yeah, I haven't. It's like I haven't watched a movie like that in years. Like they they definitely don't do them like that. I'm like, well, I mean, like, what do you think of the Godzilla movie that came out before? He's like. It's all right. Like it was fun, but it wasn't. It wasn't this. This was. This I, was awesome. He I turned me several way. times because my dad does this thing when he gets excited. He mm. he's very. He's a very physical man. <laughs> and like whenever, like when I took him to see, I t- he got this way with Avengers. Uh-huh. When uh, Hulk was fighting Thor, like he got the same way I did. When when Thor comes out and he's like, he turned like he was quiet. He didn't say anything, but he he starts shaking my arm. Like he's like. He's like, oh, come on, do it. Like, he does that stuff. Like, he's very vocal. And he did that at least ten times during Kong. Like, the whole helicopter sequence, he's like, oh, look at that. Oh, man. Like, it's it's great because my dad's not a cynical guy. He's a giant man-child in many aspects, but he's not impressed by a lot of stuff. Yeah. And mind you, this is the guy that... that that molded my my fandom in many ways. Like he's the guy that introduced like Frisette and all the stuff to me. Like yeah. he, he eats and breathes stuff. So when he's genuinely excited, that tells me like, okay, you're doing something right. So like again, like the, he like I I took him to see Van Helsing. I know people crap on Van Helsing so much. They're like, ah, oh, it's just. I took him to see it. We walked out. He's like, son, oh my god, that that that's what I've been wanting for years out of these movies. Like, I wanted to see Dracula and like the like the fact that he got Dracula in a monster form fighting the Wolfman. He's like, I could have watched that for two hours. You just give me that, I would have watched the shit out of that for two hours. I'm like, I know. So what am I? Well, what did the rest of us like? It was awesome. They need to do more of this. So, fun and adventure. Look, you know. When you get deep into the fandom like us, I mean, we, you know, especially, you know, we get very, we become jaded to everything. Yeah. It's fun to see, like, especially, like, every once in a while, you're like, you need to pull back a little bit. You're not dumbing yourself down, but you know what? You need to get off your high horse a little bit. And that's And that's what I, I liked about Kong Skull Island, because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it pulled back from the dreariness that was the 2014 Godzilla. Every fight was in, the, or all the fight sequences were in the day, like, there was... 
There was a wonderful like sense of adventure to the film. Yeah, like it all. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, the characters are kind of carbon. I'm like, but it's. it's I found them more. Film. I found them more interesting than the legendary Godzilla. Very much characters. so. Like, and plus you had you had a better. I hate to say this, but you had a better pool of actors in yes, this one. Yes, yes, definitely. Like Samuel L. Jackson being the uh, the the worn down general guy who was mm-hmm. just like, I, I need to find purpose in my life now. It's being the uh, the the Ahab to mm-hmm. Kong, like that whole thing. Like, yeah, I love all this, and I I watch anything with John Goodman because I love yeah. John Goodman to death too. So. The, 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 the one small regret I had is that. John Goodman's character didn't, you know, Randa, he didn't interact that much with uh, O'Reilly's character. Yeah. John C. O'Reilly's yeah. character. Like, yeah, there was a lot, and, oh yeah, and believe me, John C. O'Reilly, for a lot of people were like, yeah, he made the film. It's like, well, yeah, you had to get that, like, yeah. ask, like, there's, this island's been going on for years, like, there's all kinds of, like, and believe <laughs> me, that's why I'm, I'm for, for the first time ever, to wrap this up, I am happy as hell that A, that movie made the money it did. Yes. A uh, B, the fact that we're getting a Kong versus Godzilla film that, with a Kong that looks like the original Kong. Yes. And we'll probably get a Godzilla that looks pretty close because I've already, there's already been like slight design the changes guy, to the new yeah. Godzilla. He's much more upright now. He doesn't slump. That's from what uh, I've, some stuff I've seen. Mm. Uh, okay. And I'm like, good. That's how he needs to be. Like, yeah. you know, standing. Not, not, not the big bear, like, yeah. you know, walking around. But see... We might finally get a true Kong, a series of Kong films and Kong adventures on his own. Because that's the thing with all this, is that, and going back to what I said earlier, is where I don't know why they always felt the need to retell the same story. There is adventure and excitement with Kong, and you can go a million different ways. I mean, hell, there was even an official book put out that the Cooper estate um, uh, said yes to when Doc Savage met King Kong. Yes. Yeah, so there's all these things you can do, and I think... Fun, Thank God for Thomas Toll because he's like, I'm not making one Kong film. I'm going to make a dozen Kong films. Yeah, they're yeah, they're <clears throat> they're, they're being adventurous and they're, they're mm-hmm. really. And Kong they, can have his own roster of rogues finally too. Yeah, they're they're expanding. They're mm-hmm. they're hitting uncharted territory. That's what the Star Wars franchise needs. Mm-hmm. Get away from the Death Star. Thing. Yeah, I think that's where they're going finally too. Yeah. So it, it's a brave, wonderful yeah. world for Kong. Yeah. It, you know, with Star Wars rehashing the old characters, I think is doing a disservice to those characters. Yeah, let, it, let them stand on their own. They're moving away. They're yeah. like, yeah, you know, they're 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 finally finding their way. All right, well, we've uh, thrown on as much <laughs> as we have. We, we told we try to keep this under an hour, but you know, there's a lot to talk about. The podcast, we are the unpodcast. It's we are not organized with notes. No. It's like just two. Or two or three jerks hanging out, and you know what? Talking about it was perfect. You know, I don't know where this will air yet, but um, <laughs> because we're we're recording out of order right now. But as we record this, we're a week away from Rampage coming out, which another nice King Kong send up. There's a lot of that stuff in there, and the trailers you've seen already. So with the Varan Wolf, yes, very much so. <laughs> so uh, if you hear this before or after that, just know this is where we're at at this point. But we will be back. Uh, hopefully, uh, you've heard the Pacific Rim. Review because uh, Jessica has many wonderful things to say about that. So, <laughs> on that note, that will do it for this edition of the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. As always, you can find us on Twitter at the Kaiju Kingdom, on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. We're on Tumblr too. I try to keep that up, but the Facebook and the in the in the Twitter is mostly where you can get all of our wonderful information. And uh, if you download this off iTunes, you can also find us on our, our home site. PanzerCrush.com and all of our other wonderful podcasts on that uh, site as well. So, 
for myself and Mark. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. We'll see you next time. on Broadway, Kong, the eighth wonder of the world!